Nate McMillan is out as head coach of the Atlanta Hawks. Willie Taggart is going to the NFL. Alabama lost a new defensive coach. Georgia is in the news again. How will the second half of the NBA season look for our small market teams? Brandon Miller is apparently involved in the Darius Miles situation. And how will the Titans respond after the release of Taylor Lewan? Don't touch that dial because we've got a lot of news and stories on this episode of Jake's Take. Let's go. What is going on, everyone? Thank you so much for tuning in to Jake's Take. As always, I'm your host, Jacob Sullivan, at Jake's Take Podcast, at Jake's Take 14. Joining me later on is my co-host, Christy. You can find her on Instagram, TikTok, at Christy underscore double zero. And as always, this is sponsored by Variety Sports Network, at Variety underscore sport underscore. You're home for all sports and different forms and varieties. To start it off, we have a firing in the NBA, and it goes into our NFL, or sorry, our NBA small market team. With the Atlanta Hawks. Now, we've talked a good bit about the Atlanta Hawks. We've always talked about how they are a team that is always floating around 500. They're at 500 or below 500. And with this, they're firing Nate McMillan. They're currently promoting their assistant coach to be the interim head coach. But right now, it was not looking good for this Atlanta Hawks team. You know, this is a team that has lost to two of the worst teams in the NBA before the All-Star break. I mean, they lost to the Hornets. And then also, you know, they were struggling in that win against the Spurs. So my mistake there. But they're currently eighth in the Eastern Conference. And at the time of this recording, the NBA All-Star break is over. And they're going back to playing games. So the season really starts now, you know, in the event that they have questions or concerns. They have to figure it out right now. Now, they did make the trade for Sadiq Bey. That looks good. But also right now, the Eastern Conference is pretty set in stone right now. You've got the Boston Celtics, the Milwaukee Bucks, Philadelphia 76ers, the Cleveland Cavaliers. Those four teams have 38 or more wins. And then there's Atlanta at 29, but you've got the Wizards behind them, the Raptors behind them. So right now, it's definitely a little concerning to see kind of what's going on. But right now, you know, they fired Nate McMillan, and then they promoted Joe Prunty, who had been with the team since 2021. And now, you know, before that, he was with the Milwaukee Bucks, he was with the Phoenix Suns. But right now, the Hawks are just doing a really bad job when it comes to hiring their coaches because this has happened before. They mutually allowed Mike Budenholzer to leave. And then Mike Budenholzer becomes one of the best coaches in the NBA. So that's definitely a little frustrating for sure. And then you also had, you know, Lloyd Pierce, who's now the assistant coach for the Indiana Pacers. The Indiana Pacers have done great this year. And it just kind of leaves a lot more questions of, you know, is this a desirable job? You know, you look at Nate McMillan's I guess, winning percentage, and it was over 500, which is good, but still, I mean, right now, you know, Lloyd Pierce's was not as good, and Mike Boonholzer's was pretty good, too, but also, I think it comes with the, you know, what do you have the expectation with this team and with their games, because remember, this was a team just a few years ago who made the Western, I mean, Eastern Conference Finals, sorry, I'm all over the place right now. But now they're still struggling, and that's kind of what's current concerning. You know, they started out strong, then they fizzled out. And right now, you know, definitely brings a lot more questions and concerns because 
it looks as, all right, well, who wants to be in this role? Who wants to be in this job? You know, they've looked into some targets, and one of their first targets actually is Quinn Snyder. I don't know how to feel about this, because Quinn Snyder literally, oh, I don't know, just resigned from his position last year. But now it's looking like there's mutual interest between the Hawks and Quinn Snyder, which definitely sucks for the Jazz, because now the Jazz, you know, were planning on taking, and now they're not. But still, I think with this, you know, it's very interesting to see what direction they go. Now, it comes down to how are these coaches going to work with Trey Young and DeJounte Murray? I'm going to say something. It's very controversial. Do we know what kind of player Trey Young is? Can Trey Young be a diva? Can he coexist with other players? That's what the concern is right now. We have to make sure that this coach that's hired is actually someone who's going to get along great with Trey Young. And we haven't seen that yet. Nate McMillan did some pretty good adjustments, did some good jobs. But Atlanta is one of those teams and one of those cities where they're a small market, but they're a large market too. So it doesn't really make sense to see what happens. But keep an eye out for some news in regards to who they might hire. But right now, I wouldn't be surprised if the Atlanta Hawks are still around 500 or improved to above 500 for the rest of the year. They'll still make the playoffs, but right now, you got to keep an eye on them. Moving on to our next point in regards to Georgia and what they've been able to accomplish as the university in this offseason, nothing. I mean, I feel like right now Georgia is in the news again. And this isn't good for their program or good for them because they can't really show that they are, you know, a top team. You know, every team is going to have their flaws. I understand that. But this is the third time a player has been arrested. That's right. Jamon Dumas Johnson was arrested for an incident from January 10th where he was reckless driving. Once again, this is their third arrest. Ra-Ra Thomas, who transferred in, got arrested. Stetson Bennett, who... I know was on the team and obviously graduated, got arrested too. This is their third offense. And while it's only a misdemeanor, emotions are still going to be high for this team. You know, this is a team that is still trying to come back from the death of one of their teammates. This is not a way to show that you can move on and persevere in the team. It's as if that these players aren't thinking they're accountable. They are thinking that, you know, they can really do anything. I understand that they're kids. I understand that they're, you know, 18, 19, 20, 21 years old, maybe 22. But right now, there's so much that they need to focus on and improve on. Because right now, they're not looking like a team. They're not looking like a unit. And right now, Kirby Smart is going to have a lot to figure out and get accustomed to. Now, with Jamon Dubis Johnson, he was an SEC, all-SEC player, second on the team in tackles that's terrific but you're still a person you could have possibly thrown away your opportunity to be looked at in a lighter more positive way that's not happening right now you have to gain back the trust of your coaches and your teammates because at this moment it's not looking good same with Stetson Bennett I know that Stetson Bennett oh he can throw the ball really well that's great but he still got a DUI we don't even know if Ra-Ra Thomas is still around on the team. But right now, this is going to be a really long offseason for Kirby Smart because he has to discipline his players. And usually with these champions, they have that self-discipline of themselves. Now think about it. Kirby's not used to having... Well, actually, let me rephrase that. 
Kirby understands how to discipline players. He's disciplined players before. He's been an assistant coach. He's been a coach for a long time. He understands that kind of stuff. But three times, not even in the past month, is still very insane to me. You know, if it was, oh, well, we had one in January and then one again in like June, that would be different. But you had stuff happening since January. It's been a tough month and a half for the Georgia Bulldogs. How are they going to react as things move on? Because right now, this is the team that once again lost Todd Munkin. And they need to figure out how they're going to get accustomed to, hey, we're the champions again. And we're on the spotlight. And we're going to mess up. And now if one of us messes up, it's going to be magnitude of 10 times or it's going to be increased by 10 or you're going to look at it and see it by 10 or 15%. That's what's going to happen now. So they need to grow. They need to figure this out together because right now this is not a good look for the Georgia Bulldogs as the national champions. And you know what day it is. It's Friday. So get ready for Christie's Corner where she's going to break down some as Jason Kelsey and Travis Kelsey will say, no news. Please do not sue us for saying that. I'm so sorry. But in this regard, Chris is going to break down some news in regards to the NFL, some coaching changes, and reports of Anthony Richardson going first overall. As always, the floor is yours, Christy. Welcome back to another episode of Christy's Corner. We're going to start with something that I did not predict. I will admit it, you did not hear it first, but I think it is interesting. So we have Willie Taggart uh, joining the NFL. So he is most recently remembered as Florida State's head coach. He was fired back in November, and he was actually set to join Deion Sanders in Colorado, which I really liked for him. We don't know like the exact position he was going to be there, but... I was really hoping to see him there and what he did. Now, he is going to join the Ravens as their running back coach. And I think this is a good move for him in joining the NFL as a positions coach. I think this is where we saw his most success because as a head coach, overall, he's been a head coach at a couple different places in college football, but overall, he has a 71 and 80 game winning well not game winning game losing streak um he's never had a winning record even when he was with a florida team and they had a 10 win season he still came out with 71 and 80 total so i don't think head coach was his calling so i think it'll be good for him to take this position now he does have some relationship to the Harbaugh family so he actually played for and coached under Jack Harbaugh who is John's dad and he coached with Jim Harbaugh at Stanford so there is some relationship there and I'm sure that helped and a little closer to home um we will be getting a new inside linebacker coach for Alabama well, let me rephrase that. We had a new one, but he's already gone. Um, he was hired in January, and it kind of just came out that he was hired and on the roster, and now he is leaving to join Florida. 
Um, this was Austin Armstrong, and he's going to be the defensive coordinator at Florida. And I cannot say that I blame him. You know, going from a positions coach to in charge of the whole defense is a huge step, and it's a huge step up. Um, and we have another relationship tie here. He has worked with um, Florida's coach Napier three different times, so they're comfortable with each other. They know each other. I'm not sure that he was too comfortable with anyone at Alabama. Again, he hadn't been there for a game yet. Um, he came from Southern Miss. And I have some names that I think we could see replace him. How about Jeremy Pruitt? <laughs> we didn't get to hire him as our defensive coordinator, so why not our inside linebacker coach? I also have Glenn Schumann. I know he won't come and especially take that, you know, downgrade. Um, still an important coaching position. It would just be a downgrade for him. Um, I think we'll see him end up in the NFL. Um, another name I had on my mind for this position is Charlie Strong from Miami. I know he wasn't happy with how the defensive coordinator position was handled there. So we could see him at Alabama, and I could see him working his way up to the defensive coordinator position there. And like Jake always says, we have a lot of fun on the show and talk about some lighthearted things and coaching changes positions. That's not heavy stuff, but we do have to talk about the nitty-gritty because for some reason, these athletes like to make poor decisions. So I'm speaking on Alvin Kamara. The new update is that there is a video of him in a car. It was a limo that they were taking. And of course, they were recording the conversation and he is heard talking about the beating that just had happened at the nightclub. And it's giving off bragging vibes. And I just don't think that's going to help his case. And the question is, should he be suspended? Now, I'm a big no-tolerance person because I think you need to set the precedent for other people, and maybe that's the problem in the NFL. I feel like in college, that precedent is set. You know, you get in trouble, you get suspended or kicked off the team. I don't feel like we see that happen that often in the NFL with all the domestic violence cases we've had in the past, the drug things, all of it. I feel like these players are given a slap on the wrist and then it all disappears. So in my eyes, I think he needs to be held accountable. Maybe he needs to be the one that's used as an example. So these players realize what they are throwing away with their futures and their lives and they're letting a lot of people down. You know, I think the Saints could have done a lot with him this season and I'm not saying one player is going to change the trajectory of a team in terms of making it to the playoffs, but they sure do have a big impact. But when you have an energy like this surrounding you, I just don't think you have any place to be in the public eye and public entertainment. But that's my two cents. But another thing shaking up the NFL is draft talk. So of course, especially Jake and I, would love to see Bryce Young go at number one, and he actually is still the most betted on player to go first in the draft. But there has been some new buzz lately that Anthony Richardson, who was the quarterback at Florida, will go first. So in the betting world in Vegas, he's 8-1 and one to go number one. 
And this kind of came out of nowhere. And as the day went on, his chances and chances got better. And that margin got smaller and smaller. And I'm really hoping this is not just due to Bryce's size. And I know a lot of people, a lot of media, a lot of football analysts talk about Bryce and his size and how that's going to affect him being taken in the draft. And if you look at Anthony Richardson, it's kind of the opposite. He's huge. He has a strong arm. He takes, I mean, crazy risks, which there's pros and cons to that. But I can see why they're arguing that he may be with that group of quarterbacks that's going to go soon. I still don't think he's going to go number one. But I wouldn't be surprised if we see him go top 10. But we'll chalk that up to another you heard it here first, maybe. (laughs) So we're going to do something fun today that I normally do on my TikToks if you watch or if you're a fan. And I'm really excited to bring it in here to the podcast. So Jake has tasked me with ranking NBA uniforms. Now there's 30 teams, so I won't bore you with all 30. But I did choose the top 10, and I'll give some reasonings. Again, this is solely based off their uniforms, not skill, not players, not coaches, nothing. And no, Jake, the Pelicans did not make my list. But anyway, here we go. At number one, I have the Hornets. I love their uniforms. I think they're unmatched in the rest of the league With that purple and that kind of aqua color, there's just no other team like it, so they're really recognizable. Number two, I have the Memphis Grizzlies, Um, and this is a shout-out to my alma mater, my high school. We were navy blue and baby blue with the white, so that's why they're ranked at number two. (laughs) Number three, I have the Sacramento Kings. Um, I just like the purple, honestly. It's a little LSU purple, but I'll take it. If we could just change the wording on their um, uniforms instead of saying SAC, short for Sacramento, can we say Kings? That's just a little nicer. Um, at number four, I have the Miami Heat. This Just the red and white classic uniform and the way that heat is written with the T and the flames. Super cool. At number five, I have the Lakers just because they're classic, recognizable. They are LSU colors, so I almost put them lower on my list because of that, but I tried to be unbiased. Then at number six, I have the Wizards because, hello, red, white, and blue, America. Number seven, I have the Chicago Bulls, another classic basketball uniform with the red and white. Number eight, I have the Phoenix Sun. They just have a clean uniform, and again, I just like that purple. Uh, Number nine, I have the Trailblazers. I really like the striping they have on their jerseys. Um, I don't think any other team really has that diagonal stripe effect going on. And finally, at number 10, I have the Denver Nuggets. I think navy blue on yellow is just a classic color combination that never really gets old. So there's my take. Let us know if you agree, disagree, hate it, love it, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Now comes a bigger focus with our NBA small market teams in regards to how they're going to do with the second half of the season. So obviously we talked about the Atlanta Hawks earlier and how they're looking to hire Quinn Snyder to be their next head coach. I don't know if they're going to keep their interim head coach and he's just going to coach it out until they get everything sorted out. It wouldn't really make sense to, you know, bring in 
Quinn Snyder right away. There were also talks about bringing in Ime Udoku. And also, you know, Ime Udoku was going to be a big hit because, you know, he's done really well in his one season with the Boston Celtics. But I also think with this, it's going to depend on really a few other things with not only what we see from this Atlanta Hawks team, but how they can step up. You know, we've seen how DeJounte Murray and Trayon can play together. But what about in regards to players like DeAndre Hunter or Bogdanovich or Clint Capella or A.J. Griffin? You know, I've been very high on A.J. Griffin, but I still think he needs to kind of figure things out and kind of grow up some more because he still is learning. You know, he's still just a young one and it'll definitely take some time for him to kind of figure things out. With the Charlotte Hornets, you know, the Charlotte Hornets were able to get readjusted to everything in a pretty quick manner, which is good. You know, they did really well towards the end of the first half of the season. You know, they were looking good. Can they find a way to keep it up? Being really honest, I'm going to say no. And I know that that's hard. And I know that a lot of Charlotte fans don't want to hear that. But that's the sad thing about this. You know, right now they had a good ending to the first half of the season. But they are still so far behind that it's going to be really hard for them to compete for a play-in spot. And right now, you know, they're still readjusting everything. Like I said, Lomelo Ball is looking good. But right now, I feel like they've dug themselves into a hole way too deep that it's going to make things way too hard for them moving forward. Now, there is some excitement, though, is because teams are going to start getting healthy. You know, the Pelicans are getting healthy. Dyson Daniels is coming back. Zion should be back very soon with the Grizzlies. Steven Adams is going to be coming back. But John Morant, the biggest thing right now is that John Morant has been in load management for the past few weeks. And with a team that used to do so well without him, they are doing so bad without him. And I don't know if it's their chemistry. I don't know exactly what's going on. But also remember, the West has become so much more competitive thanks to someone saying that, oh, we were fine in the West. Look for these teams like the Clippers, who just signed Russell Westbrook, or the Phoenix Suns, who just got KD, or the Mavericks, to figure things out and shoot up the rankings. Right now, I'm a little worried about the Memphis Grizzlies. Right now, their demeanor has not been the most positive. And, oh, I don't know, Dylan Brooks is getting in fights, and John Morant is shooting people with a laser pointer. So if they keep acting like this, or after they keep acting like fools, this is going to hurt them. And that's not what we want to see. We want to make sure that they keep figuring things out or keep getting things together. Because at this moment, they might not be doing that right now. With the Pelicans, I still have some hope that they'll, you know, get healthy and continue to do well. I know that right now, you're coming back and you're playing the Raptors. You have B.I., you've got C.J., you're getting Dyson Daniels back. You're getting Larry Nance back, which is terrific. However, I know that the question mark is going to be, what is the status with Zion Williamson? Zion should be fine. You know, he's going to get back out there. But Willie Green needs to figure out his rotations. You know, you just traded for Josh Richardson, but he got ejected in his second game. So right now we need to see what Josh Richardson can do in more minutes. How many minutes are we going to give him? Are we going to give Billy Hernan Gomez more minutes? Are you going to give Trey Murphy and Jose more minutes at the same time? Jose had a great rising stars game. 
are you going to give the green light to Trey Murphy to shoot and do dunks? Because we know that he can do that stuff. There's a lot more questions for the Pelicans. Now, will the West be down to the Grizzlies and the Nuggets like before? I still think that the Nuggets have a great focus of getting there, but I can see that the West is going to start getting bunched up, especially when KD is back healthy, and especially when we have more players who are going to be back and forth. So I think with this, it's very important to kind of keep an eye out for these players and for these, I guess, growth of these teams, because even though we only have 23 games left, these are the ones that matter more than anything. Now, there is going to be some focus in regards to our next topic, which focuses on Brandon Miller. Now, Brandon Miller is a star basketball player for the Alabama Crimson Tide basketball team, and he's been having a phenomenal season. But there were reports that came out on, I believe, Tuesday that he was at the scene of the crime when Darius Miles did shoot the female that was murdered, Jemiah Harris. And really with this, I believe that there's a lot that was going on. And it's hard to believe, but now there's more evidence coming out that not only was Darius Miles there and the person who was in regards to shooting this woman, but he also had called Brandon Miller to bring him the gun. Now, there's a lot of different things in regards to this of, well, did he actually go there, what was actually really going on, and there's a lot of he said, she said going on, a lot of people are saying how not only should Brandon Miller be tried and convicted, but at the same time, they're saying how he should be suspended, so here's really what happened, Brandon Miller drove down to the Strip, which is a place in Tuscaloosa, he had dinner, and then Darius Miles texted him and said, hey, Come pick me up or come on over. The gun was in Brandon Miller's car. Brandon Miller did not know that. And the gun was taken out of the car. Fortunately, it was used to kill Jamia Harris. After that, Brandon Miller is accused of staying there and blocking them out. He was at the scene of the crime. He's cooperating with officials. At this moment right now, they aren't saying that he is causing anything in regards to this case. There's something that he could be tried with. He's complied the whole time. But for some reason, this is allowing people to take advantage of him and saying other things towards him. In the game against South Carolina, every time he touched the ball, he was booed. So many people were calling him a shooter. Clay Travis, before he was blocked, had called him a lights-out shooter. So many people are giving this kid a hard time. He's just a kid. He's still figuring things out. I know that with this, he is, you know, still younger, but he was at the scene of the crime. He understands that, but he's told the officers everything and anything possible. Greg Byrne is on his side. Nados is on his side. His attorneys are on his side. Everyone is on his side. But in regards to this, leave the kid alone. He's had a hard enough time right now. And now all of these people are booing him and it's causing him to be all in his brain. But that didn't stop him. He put up 41 points. 
we need to have a physically message if he is cleared. We don't know what's happening there yet. But right now, just remember, he's a kid. He's going to learn from this. And I know it's hard because you want to surround yourself with people you like. He didn't know this. He didn't know that he was going to be in the middle of something like this. It's a warning experience, and he'll grow from this. And finally, our last point focuses on a surprising but not so much surprising release of Taylor Lewan. Now, the Tennessee Titans were in what we call basically cap space purgatory. They had way too much players who had a high salary, so they had to cut some players. Now, they cut Robert Woods, they cut Randy Bullock, they cut Zach Cunningham, I believe, and they cut Taylor Lewan. Now, the Taylor Lewan release is definitely a surprise because he's done so much for the Nashville community. He loves that community. He loves Nashville. And he's mentioned that if he does get cut, he might consider retire, retiring, which is hard because, you know, he was such a dominant player. But injuries have been hard on him recently. Remember, he tore his ACL. He tore up his knee. He's been hurt. Now, what does this mean for the Tennessee Titans? Well, right now they might address a trade where they get a new tackle, or they might look at that in the draft. But they struggled without Taylor Rowan last year, and they struggled with him being in and out of the lineup. That's the thing that's been hard about him, is that he has struggled when he's been in and out of the lineup, and they're still trying to figure things out and how they can be successful. Now remember, it's a business. You know, they didn't want to make this decision because they didn't like him, but he hadn't played. He had been struggling to stay healthy. At the end of the day, you have to make these decisions for what's best for your team. And that's what this team had to do. You know, Mike Vrabel probably did not want to have to deal with this, but they have a new general manager. Having this new GM who doesn't have this connection with these players makes it hard. But remember, he only played two games last year. He hasn't played a full season. He's only played maybe 12 games at most the season before it's going to be tough. So there's still a lot to learn from this in regards to what can be done. But he can still play really anywhere. He's an all-pro. He's a pro bowler. He was a terrific tackle coming out of Michigan. I think the ceiling is still very high for him. Now, is he going to command all that money that he had in the past? No. And that's okay. You know, stuff is going to take time of that nature. But... Really, with this, we have to remember that it's okay. He'll figure out what he wants to do. If he wants to retire, he'll retire. If he wants to sign with another team, he can do that. But at the end of the day, remember, the NFL is a business and things like this happens. But that is going to do on this Friday episode of Jake's Take. As always, thank you so much for all the love and support. We couldn't have done everything without y'all. You can find me on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, at Jake's Take Podcast or my personal Instagram and Twitter at Jake 14 and Slaked by Jake. You can find Christy on Instagram and TikTok at Christy Marie underscore double zero. And as always, this is sponsored by Variety Sports Network at Variety underscore sport underscore. We're going to be back on Tuesday with some more excitement. So get ready. Like I said, you know, the NBA All-Star break is over. We're going to be focusing on our small market teams. Is Quinn Snyder really going to be the Atlanta Hawks coach? We'll find out. As always, you can find this episode on Spotify, Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Amazon Music. We're basically on all podcast platforms. 
And as always, we wouldn't really be here without y'all. So we want to say thank you for everything y'all have done over the past almost year. Christine and I are so thankful and we are so excited for so much more content to be made for y'all. So as always, drop a like, drop a follow, subscribe, share this with your friends. We really do appreciate this. And at the end of the day, continue to be great. Be the best version of you you can be. Be light in this world. Continue to make other people happy. And like we said, continue to be light in this world because the world is still a scary place and needs a lot of hope and excitement and love. Bring that love into the world each way you can. And as always, we will see and hear from you all later. Take care.